0: Hey everybody, this is the Never Heard of It podcast. A show where we talk about the movies that have fallen through our cracks and yours. I am Sean Harwell and I'm joined today as always by Craig Moorhead. Craig, how the heck on jekyll are you?
1: I am super great, Sean. Super great. Super great, mm. yeah. I've really taken it up a notch in the last few days. Uh, I felt like... You know, a lot of a lot of podcasts, I was doing great. Sometimes I was just okay, and I just felt like I wasn't kind of taking it over the top. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I'm super great, Sean. How are you?
0: See, I thought you were making a pun about the movie that we're watching today. Oh, super Soup? great. Well, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, that, mm-hmm. we can use that too. Um, I'm salad great. Uh, no, nice, no. Uh, nice. I'm good. I'm good. Everything is uh, just happening, you know, mm-hmm. and here we are doing another episode which makes me happy Me too. so what have i got to complain about huh nothing not a damn cold soup nothing well i'm excited to be here as i said and uh, i want to go ahead and just start by thanking everybody who's been listening we appreciate it and hopefully you're all just bouncing around or or going in order however you want to listen to the show it doesn't really matter that's the beauty of what we do craig i think right
1: it is absolutely the only beautiful thing about it
0: You can just walk right in, step right in, and here we That's are right. talking about some kind of nonsense, That's right. and uh, it's easy to pick it up. So uh, we always like to hear from the folks who are listening, and if you're out there in listener land and want to say hello, uh, Craig, I think you're going to tell people where they can do that, right? Darn
1: right, Sean. You know, if you do want to say something to us, uh, the best way to get in contact with us is by finding us on Twitter, or Facebook, or Instagram. Now, on Twitter, we're at Never Podcast. Facebook, we're Never Podcast. Instagram, or N H O I T podcast—that stands for Never Heard of It podcast. Uh, any of those places, you can you can talk to us. Uh, I assume private messages. Maybe I don't think we have the any security features at all. You can probably uh, hack right into, into Sean's computer. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Uh, steal some stuff if you need to. Um, plant things if you really want to go that route. I mean, whatever you want to do. Hmm. His computer is wide open. But let us know if you have anything you want us to watch or talk about. You know, we'll be, we'll, we'll, we'd love to get those suggestions. Uh, as for the podcast itself, the episodes going all the way back to number one, uh, you can find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Overcast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, and maybe even a few other stragglers out there that we don't know about yet. No matter what, wherever you listen to us, if you could subscribe and leave a review, that would help other people find our podcast, uh, which, uh, you know, helps spread the word, spread the message, spread the love around the planet. And uh, speaking of planets, Sean, uh, uh, what uh, on Earth did you watch since the last time we talked?
0: Man, I was really hoping you were going to make a Uranus joke, but nonetheless.
1: I was going to do it as a callback later, but whatever. Oh,
0: okay, yeah. okay. Well, I'll wait for that. I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. I'll be, Well, I'll be surprised when it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not much, Craig. Okay. In fact, I got two movies, and I'm wondering if anybody else in the world has watched these two in relative close proximity like this. Mm-hmm. There's no connection between them, Craig. Okay. I just was thinking, it's somewhat of an odd pair. I'm talking, of course, about Babe, the 1995 family film about a pig. Great movie. And Hamilton, the 2020 Broadway musical that is now on Disney+. Plus,
1: A movie entirely cast by pigs. <laughs>
0: See, it's uh, I couldn't find the link and you did, yeah. Uh, the that's, link is that's a sausage. The, no, I don't think there is a link. No, I don't know. I don't think so. Either. Uh, so let's talk Babe first, sure. Craig. I know you've seen oh, it, yeah. When's the last time you watched Babe? Have you watched this with your children? Your children's, I'm
1: almost 100% sure that I have, but I feel like I maybe haven't watched it with them since they really started caring about what they were watching, if that makes yeah. any sense. So sure. that, that one may be up for review. I'd kind of like to watch both of those movies as I think both of them are pretty pretty good movies as I remember.
0: Yeah, I don't believe I've ever seen the sequel and I've heard nothing but good things yeah. about it. So it's something I want to check out. You know, we've been doing this thing like on Friday nights we usually watch a movie and forever it was just like, okay, you just pick what you want to watch and we'll make you uh, happy by going along with it, child. Right. And then eventually it's just like, mm, you know what, I think it's time. We rotate selection, so mm. every week somebody picks something. So, yeah, I picked Babe this week, which I think was a movie that my daughter was like, mm, "I don't know if we to see this movie." But then, of course, you put it on, and like immediately, she I think she enjoyed it quite a yeah. bit, and I did too. You know, it it is it's just incredible to think this is a George Miller film. Yes. <laughs> like, it just doesn't compute. You know, uh, that this is the guy that made Mad Max Fury Road right. um, and all of the Mad Max films. And yet, I was watching it this time, like, is there any little hint of that sort of style in here? And he sort of is so perfect. Like, he saved it towards the very end. If you recall, you know, there's this um, sheepdog competition, right? Mm -hmm. Like, herding the sheep that the dogs do. And uh, it sort of culminates in this climactic moment where the, the pig leads the sheep into a pen and James Cromwell slowly closes the pen. Right, mm-hmm. dead silent crowd. And like you, especially as an editor, like I would be curious to hear your like thoughts on this. Just watching it again from a, like a technical standpoint, because he uses like f- five or six shots, right, to, for this one <laughs> little gesture. Right, and that's like the only time in the movie that he's done anything like this. Really, and it's just like so good. I thought, like, it, I really just appreciated like every setup in that little that one little moment i thought was fantastic oh, wow i don't remember so, that, but uh, now i want to
1: see yeah moment.
0: N- neither did i at all um i think it holds up really well like the first act feels sort of um i mean it kind of is vignettes like it sort of works almost like a chapter book in some way and they've got these little like those little fade to circle things where the the mice are singing in the high pitch yeah and um I felt a little choppy getting into it this time i mean but I, I don't know. Held up quite well, I thought. Uh, Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even know if we need to talk about this because it's like such old news at this point. I'm <laughs> um, probably like one of the last 10 people on the planet to see this thing. Enjoyed it immensely. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody probably. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, like you, Craig, as someone who has written songs before. Yes i I've just i' today we were listening to it in a car, a soundtrack, and we were taking a little drive, and just the sheer amount of music in this thing, right like it's what two hundred and sixty minutes it says yes. here that's a lot of music to come up with, yes, and like for even a fraction of it to be as good as it is or memorably good right, right? I mean that like alone is just a milestone achievement, and then to put a story on top of all that I this right. was like it's unbelievable um
1: right i i you know i can't imagine that's one of the things i really like about it you know i mean first and foremost for the first time i ever listened to it uh because i because i only could listen to the soundtrack i i didn't have tickets yeah. to the show uh
0: <laughs> shocking I, yeah uh, or the money the uh bank accounts to pay for said right
1: tickets. didn't have didn't have any resource uh, enough to cover that but but that was the thing, you know, What once I listened to it and it already like pulled me the whole way through and it's it's not a short show, but pulled me the whole way through, not even seeing the visuals, I was following the story and I totally mm-hmm. understood what was going on. And But, you know, on, on subsequent listens, one of the things that's so amazing to me about it is like, uh, and I would say at least especially, I don't know, maybe the entire first half of the show, mm-hmm. it just feels like, every song like ends and the next song starts you're like this song is incredible like every song was is so good and it's so good at um conveying the emotion it's so good at playing with musical themes throughout and just just arrangements that just pull at you like it's it's operating on so many different levels that it's like even if it was even had mastered one level it would be amazing uh, right. and to me it's just, yeah. And then, and then on top of that, they cast it with these amazing people who just killed the show. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's an amazing thing to see.
0: Yeah. And I was thinking too, just in, you know, if this came out as, you know, a, a pop album, right. Mm-hmm. It would be a double disc experience yeah. and man, those are very rarely good, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like they're, they're usually, yes. A lot of filler or, you know, it takes a while for you to appreciate every song kind of on a, on the same level as the ones that stand out immediately. And so, you know, yeah, there's, there's melodies and and stuff that, um, what is that? A refrain? Is that the word I'm looking for that, you know, that come in and out and are interwoven into from one song to another, Mm -hmm. uh, and repeated, but still good God. I mean, just, I'd love to know. How long just the lyric sheet for this show is yeah. in terms of pages and word count? Because that's—I mean—that's so much more than a screenplay, I think, for sure, you know, easily. Um, yeah,
1: and and for it to develop characters and and tell a story uh, as as easily as it does, and and yeah. as as well as it does in terms of like just not even wasting any time for as long as the show it. Yeah. There's just no filler. It's, it's all building up to something. And, uh, we actually bought a book, uh, my son and my daughter really got into Hamilton and we bought, there's a book out. That's, I mean, it's fairly thick. It's a hardback book and it has Uh every song, all the lyrics along with like footnotes from Lin-Manuel, uh, Miranda and, uh, uh, who was the other fella who, worked with them really closely on the music. I don't recall. Yeah. I, I can't remember, but I mean, they just have all this stuff written up about it. And yeah, I mean, I still, I just, I can't imagine what, what I'd like to see is a nice like eight hour documentary of Lynn just coming up with this stuff. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause I, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's gotta be an incredible process. Lately I've been going through just whole discographies of artists and listening to like everything they've done from the, their first album on through. And uh-huh. I mean, incredible artists, some of the biggest artists in the world uh, of all time sold the most records in the world. And it's like, yeah, it's like every album they put out, like if it, like the, the amazing ones have like five good songs. Yeah, totally. And yeah, just, just the fact that this one show has that many, yeah. has that much good music in it that just, yeah, just works on so many levels. It's, it's, it's kind of a little miracle.
0: Right. I guess I need to check the running time of, like, the White Album by the Beatles. Like, Mm. that's the only thing that, like, immediately comes to mind as far as, like, just the sheer volume in one piece of, like, connective tissue here um, from a writing standpoint. Yeah, it's just pretty incredible. Um, Yeah, it would be interesting to see and hear about the process of it all a little bit more. But yeah, And like you, our daughter, she's got about 25 minutes left, and we watched that. That's what she chose this Friday because, you know, we've been... Playing some of the songs and telling her about it, and um, it definitely has been an experience where we've had to pause a few things (laughs) and explain. And there's some stuff that's a little tricky to explain. Absolutely. (laughs) As far as like, wait, he's married and he's doing what? And like, yeah, yeah, okay, well, okay. Um, so yeah, there's a few things in there that. uh, But I do think it's it's like. it's it's pretty cool that Disney Plus put that out there. I think that was a wise decision. Me too. Um, beyond just the business of it.
1: Yeah that 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 was a big one for us. And actually, on that exact same note, uh, I was kind of worried that yeah, there is a bit in there where where Hamilton uh, has an affair, and I was worried about how they were going to stage that. Uh, I didn't know how exactly how yeah. that was going to go because I, I knew the song, and it it kind of lays it out pretty well. But it sure does. Yeah, yes. But yeah, visually, it wasn't like i don't want to say graphic it like it wasn't going to be graphic no i knew that but uh but yeah it but, wasn't even like
0: representational
1: really exactly or anything yeah. exactly and and but we did kind of the same thing like we just we kind of had a conversation about it And like this is what's <laughs> going on here and yeah i mean uh i, I kind of like it for that too i, I like the fact that like well, i'm okay. having conversations with my kids about these tough things so
0: yeah and also it's just like but wait, they were friends in the beginning? Right. Hamilton and Burr? Wait, what? Yeah. 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 It's like me and Craig, you know? Just like, so yeah, and good. headed
1: right to the same place. I mean, <laughs> yeah. which I think it's clear.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I can go ahead and tell you, I'm just not going to be good in a duel. I, I think I, even counting 10 steps and <laughs> going a straight line is going to be difficult. We so.
1: might have to have a few duels.
0: I like your odds. Yeah. Okay. We may both miss. We'll I think, you
1: know, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah.
0: It may take a while, a couple shots, a couple rounds, right. bring the ammunition. No. I do, like, for the people over the age of 20 that um, saw Hamilton, like, eight years ago. Right. I I am in the process of watching something for adults. <laughs> uh, Adam McGillian's Exotica, I've started that, and I'm pretty close to finish and really enjoying it so far. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely, uh, you know, not tended for, for children no. and not American, so there. Uh, but, Craig, tell me that you have seen something else other than uh, something for children
1: (laughs) well movie wise i have not movie wise i've I've watched uh (laughs) solely uh children's movies this is what it looks like this is the
0: the 18 years of our life yes uh
1: and 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 the cool thing is every now and again there will be movies that are actually good movies oh yeah that are also for your kids which is you get really excited about as a parent. Mm-hmm. And you also get super excited about your kids getting older. Most of the time, you hate the idea of your kids getting older in a way. And then, But when it comes to movies, it's like, oh, my God, please, become teenagers. You know, like we can actually watch some. <laughs> uh, anyway.
0: Looking forward to those days, yes. Yeah, a
1: little bit. Uh, but uh, so we watched Night at the Museum, the Ben Stiller okay. movie, which is a lot of fun.
0: You haven't seen that in a long time. It holds up okay? It
1: holds up okay. Uh, I was, you know... Like so many things now, when we're sitting down to watch a movie that I'm thinking, oh man, the kids are going to love this. They'd never heard of it. There's no way they'd ever <laughs> even watch it because it's never talked about anymore. But like, right. I remember watching it before and being like, oh, that was a lot of fun. What a fun idea. Yeah. But sitting down to watch it, I thought, oh my God, are there, are there going to be like problematic things in here? Like this is 15 years ago. Like, ah, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just kind of hoping there's not going to be something that's bothersome about it. So, you know, uh, Aside from the fact, you know, that's uh, not not necessarily in your face, I guess. But, you know, aside from the fact that all the heroes are white guys. Sure. uh, What do you expect? Um, Almost everything is fine about it, I think. Except that in the the Wild West diorama scene, there are uh, Chinese workers working on the railroads. Which Mm -hmm. is historically accurate. But they kind of seem like they're buddies with all the cowboys and stuff you know and i'm like i don't know if that's accurate
0: (laughs) probably not i'm gonna go ahead and take a guess on that uh
1: but but that being said it's it still holds up really well the kids loved it i i think just on a pure sort of comedic uh level it's paced really well uh um i think ben stiller does a lot of really good work in it uh and and it's fun i mean it's there's so many effects in that movie but it's never like just effects for effects sake like It just, Mm -hmm. it was a good kid's idea that like a a museum at night, all the exhibits come alive. It's just, it's pretty cool.
0: I still think that sounds exciting to me as an old ass man.
1: I'll tell you what, man, you you should, uh, you should pick it for one of your, uh, for one of your movies.
0: I know. That's what I was going to say. I need some suggestions. I've I've got a couple up my sleeve that I, I I haven't even seen myself, but that I'm, you know, like the Aardman animation of the world, like some stuff like that.
1: Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. Watch it as an old ass man. That's fine too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also just today watched The Iron Giant nice. uh, My youngest has not watched that before So, I mean Yeah,
0: we haven't done that either Yeah,
1: It's, uh, it's really good Moves you at the end mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's a good movie Pretty simple stuff Not very long Works on a lot of levels Now, a- as an adult Which I am uh, mm. I did watch the entire mini-series of The Last Dance About Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls Oh and yeah, their run of things. Now, Sean, I know it's going to surprise you, but I'm not a sports fan, so to speak. Get out of
0: here! You could dunk in high school. I remember. Well, right?
1: of course I could. Of course I could. But that's why it didn't. <laughs> it didn't interest me because I dominated so completely. Been
0: there, done that. Yeah. Uh,
1: no, but I, I am not a sports fan anyway, and nor nor is my wife. But of course we know who Michael Jordan is. And The Last Dance. What is? it? I think it's like ten hours.
0: I was going to say it looked lengthy.
1: Yeah, it's lengthy. I mean, it's great. Like, it's if you oh, watch that and knew nothing about sports and you watched that miniseries and you were like, oh, this is what sports is like, you'd probably become a sports fan because you're like, wow, that's everything. And that was incredibly exciting and, like, dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, you know, it's, it's boiling down about 10 or, uh, what, what is it, like 13, 14 years yeah. worth of highlights into a 10-hour thing. And uh, But it was. It was really interesting. you know they, they really made characters out of everybody on the team. And, uh, you know, when I, was, uh, when I was a young, young man, I, I want to say it was like uh, 82 or 83, I actually got the opportunity to meet Michael Jordan when he played for the Tar Heels. You did not. I did. And what? a friend of what, mine... Was he
0: signing autographs at a pizza shop or something?
1: Well, no. What happened was at the Charlotte Coliseum, a friend of mine's dad was friends with the guy who owned the Coliseum. And so Tar Heels played. I can't remember who they played that night, but we went to see them. And I remember even then as a kid, like I was excited about the Tar Heels. Like Tar Heels were a big deal to me and my friends, to my folks, like everybody.
0: You were either Carolina or you were state. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And we were. It was later when Duke and Wake Forest had any sort of value whatsoever.
1: No, no. Yeah, we were. No way were we for state. But no, uh, either. but yeah. So I got to meet him, and so he, there's it's it's weird, but there is this sort of I love Michael Jordan, and I didn't follow almost any of his NBA, NBA <laughs> career at all. Yeah. But like, I actually love him. Yeah. And so, what was cool about the miniseries is it it does get into gripes that people have with him, and it does you know kind of shine a light on some less than savory aspects of his personality and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so yet, I still got to say, I came out of mini miniseries feeling like. Man, I love Michael Jordan. <laughs> like he, uh, like I, I, get it. I get it. That guy had tremendous pressure that he was under. His life is not really like anybody else's life, and it's uh, it's intense, and it's, it's a very fun documentary. I, I would recommend it to literally anyone. Um, you'll probably nice. enjoy it. It's, it's a well-told story. I know they left stuff out because his personal life, they almost don't even like you don't. I feel like you don't even ever see his wives. You see his kids for like a second, and they just, they just keep it to basketball the whole time. And it's a, yeah. uh, it's interesting, man. I didn't know. For instance, I'll throw this out there. Okay. Uh, during one of the NBA finals, and I want to say when they were, it was when they were playing Utah, maybe. Yep. That apparently they ordered pizza one night to his room, and the pizza was poisoned. Whoa. And yeah, he woke up two o'clock in the morning, just barfing his guts out, and and had to play the next day.
0: Holy cow. And it's just and probably scored like 45 points. And
1: yeah, he only scored like 45 points. Yeah. Uh but it is, I mean, it, yeah, it's a it's a most of that documentary is about how driven this guy is, how focused he is on this one thing which is winning. Mm-hmm. And uh and and it kind of addresses like, well, what do you do when you're so focused on winning and then you've won? Like you've won so much that it's like, well, I mean, what do you do nah, now? What, like yeah
0: you go play minor league baseball you go play
1: minor and that was fascinating too oh god i had a completely yeah, sure. different uh um impression of what that time was like because mm-hmm. again i didn't follow any of it closely i just like kind of looked at it from like a headline point of view anyway yeah. very interesting stuff i got to check that yeah, out it's, yeah it's it's pretty good
0: okay craig well thank you for sharing your list and uh i will be excited to see what else you watch next time maybe even we'll have a couple of adult movies, not porn, not porn. I plan to watch
1: a lot of adult films. Yeah, Yeah.
0: just uh, under our belt, and we can talk about those. We'll see, we'll see. Fair enough. So I did see one, of course, and that's In the Soup, the movie we're going to talk about today. This is the 1992 kind of comedy dramedy directed by Alexander Rockwell, written by him as well, and our log line from letterboxd.com. A comedy about getting in over your head. An aspiring young filmmaker gets involved with an eccentric gangster for the financing of his first film. And I like that log line. I kind of wish I had seen that one. I think I saw the one from IMDb, which, which or somebody had me uh, down a slightly different expectation road. We'll get to that mm-hmm. in a minute. But um, what else we need to say? We got. Oh, man, baby-faced Steve Buscemi in this thing. Yeah. Seymour Seymour Cassell. You know him. You love him. Jennifer no. Beals, Pat Moya, Sam Rockwell's in there, Stanley Tucci, Carol Kane, Jim Jarmusch, Debbie Mazar. Am I missing anybody?
1: Boy, that is. I mean, We've got Pat Moya.
0: Yeah, I think I said him. Um, did you say Pat Moya? Okay. Well, there's a woman that looked very familiar to me. I'm going to look into that in a second, but Craig. Brocco? What's that? Brocco? Yes. What's her
1: name? Lorraine Bracco? Elizabeth Bracco?
0: Elizabeth Bracco.
1: Yeah, Elizabeth Bracco.
0: Yeah, but also now I'm seeing it here. Freaking Will Patton, of course. Can't leave him out. He was great. Um, And is always great, I think. But Craig, you found this movie for us, and I was glad you did because, man, I don't know how my 90s indie radar was complete without even really knowing about this movie, but that says a lot about me, doesn't it? you found it
1: you watched it what'd you think of in the soup was it tasty it was an easy watch i don't i feel like boy i would have loved i would have loved it if i had seen it when it came Mm. out like i that was just what i was in the mood for for about five or six years i think (laughs) just like (laughs) exactly this kind of thing and i don't know if it's maybe the way i feel about it is because of you know, having watched stuff since then that maybe was somewhat inspired by movies like this, I don't know. I mean, performances are great. The film itself looks beautiful. But there's something about the story, a guy trying to make his film and so focused on making his film and thinking that his film is going to solve all his problems and how his film becomes the most important thing. that I don't know. It It sort of started to annoy me a little bit. Mm. It's, it's sort of just started to feel very sort of um, uh, film schoolish, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how else to explain it. <laughs> I, I, we'll, we'll get into more of it later, but there's sort of this relationship where Steve Buscemi's character likes the girl next door. And one day, you know, they don't really know each other. And one day he just comes up and he's kind of looking at her because she's sitting on the stairs crying. And to comfort her, he tells her that he's going to put her in his movie. Yeah. And I just feel like most of the time if you did that, that girl would be like, oh, Jesus. Like, <laughs> I, I'm going to stay away from this guy. Mm-hmm. going to put me in your movie. And she did say. The guy uh, who lives in the shitty apartment next to right.
0: me. At least initially she said, uh, what makes you think I want to be in your movie? Uh, I think. Correct. Sure. Yeah, to yeah. your credit. But yeah. No, you're right. Yeah.
1: Um, so there, there are a few things that I just didn't connect with on that level. But that being said, I really liked the relationship between him and Seymour Cassell. I-, I liked how a lot of that stuff worked out. I think Will Patton is hilarious, mm-hmm. probably my favorite part of the entire movie, yeah. aside from the photography, which honestly is a standout to me. What about you? What? How did you feel about it?
0: Oh, man, it's like you stole my DNA, Craig. No, it looks great. It's They do have the 4K restoration on Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah. Let's just start with that. So that is for sure probably where you should be watching this thing. And it does look quite nice. You know, it doesn't have, I guess, Clerks was like the only, well, Stranger Than Paradise. I mean, there's, uh, you know, maybe some Jarosz mm-hmm. films that probably preceded this that he shot in black and white. Um that maybe have a similar feel, but this is definitely a prettier looking movie than Clerks. So I'll say that much easily. Yeah, uh, that was the one that I kept thinking of, as far as like black and white from this time. But no, I'm with you, and I don't know if we should just like dissect the fact that we went to film school, and if that is part <laughs> of the rub here. Be- I'm sure it is. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I was imagining myself in that scene that you were just describing. There's, I wouldn't have said that in a million years. I still wouldn't say that no. to anybody no. about, I'm going to no. put you in my, you know, that just like, and I don't know any filmmaker that would say something like that, right?
1: Well, you know, and it seems like something that would have gone over if not in the actual 1930s or 40s, in a 1930s or 40s yeah. movie. Like, I'm going to put you in my in movie. Pitches. You're making movies. You know, mm. it's like, by this time, it's like, oh yeah, everybody's making movies, mm-hmm. you know. And some of them aren't so hot. So, like, (laughs) yeah. I don't know if it's a big compliment.
0: No. And especially, I mean, like, you know, it is one thing if, yeah, you're driving a Mercedes and you seem like this is something that you do for a career. It's an entirely other thing. Like, when you live where Bushimi and Jennifer Bills live, right? Like, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, you would be freaked out by somebody saying they're going to put you in a movie because clearly they ain't making, um, you know, Jaws 3. Studio right. movies. So uh, that did kind of, it, it. I don't know, like all that stuff didn't quite work for me. And I was sort of walking away from this movie thinking, damn it, that's a shame. Because Buscemi and Cassell, I could absolutely watch them together f- for a long time. It is yeah. a pleasure I think seeing like what, what they do a lot of times in this movie and there are mm-hmm. moments where some of the stuff about this you know mythical film that they're possibly going to make it it does you know it's kind of funny here and there about that but it never quite materialized in a way that didn't leave me wishing god I wish this movie had been about anything other than making a movie and, kind of, you know, and, and part of that, too, was like I was trying to remember that synopsis. I, I don't know. I walked in to the movie thinking that this was going to be a movie about making a movie, like that there was going to be some actual filmmaking happening in the film right. itself. And there really isn't. I mean, you no. know, they pick up a camera right. and like shoot some stuff on the rooftop um, just playfully. But uh, it, and it's it's not it's not that the story needed that. In fact right I, you know you could easily make the argument and I might agree with you that that would have been really unbelievable and distracting and not fit here, but I don't know it, it didn't it didn't help the case from for me and my viewing experience of like oh yeah this is like a it is sort of filmmaker I recognize and believe and you know, just starting with the fact, the joke, that Buscemi's written a screenplay that's like 500 pages, right? Right. Which on paper sounds kind of funny. And then you see it and you're like, oh, but God, I just, I I feel really sorry for this guy. If he thinks that there's any any world where this is something that would get made, like what, yes. you know, and he's got a Tarkovsky, you know, poster on the wall, Stalker. It's like, you have to have some film knowledge to have that poster in your wall.
1: Yeah, well, and well, exactly, and and I, 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 yeah, I, I believe that his character has a lot of film yeah. knowledge, but in a way, I feel like it's kind of this form of of self sabotage, in a way that I that I think is probably innate in in maybe a lot of filmmakers, at least of a certain age, mm-hmm. where it's like, who cares about the rules? Who cares about what people say is how you make movies? Like, I have a five hundred page script, <laughs> I have I mean... a, a movie that I've made before that is. From all evidence in the movie, terrible. Mm-hmm. My mom plays a witch, an unconvincing, some sort of character, like witch character. Yeah. And and I'm just like, yeah, like there's all of these things are just like, no, none of that is, none of that makes me feel like anyone in this movie world is going to look at you and say, yeah, you should make a movie. Right. Like it seems more like uh, maybe go out get some practical experience. Because like, yeah, you're running around with like a silent film camera and shooting people on the top of a building but it's like that that ain't i mean what what is that uh so like he he, maybe that's what it is he's clearly very in love with the idea of making movies but maybe he's not actually ever going to make a movie i
0: would certainly think not Uh, uh, definitely not if if it's going to be a 500 page screenplay um
1: that seems to be put together by post-it notes Yeah. Yeah. And
0: like, yeah, I I know that that is part of the joke. That's part of the concepts and the setup. But I don't know. It just it, it took me out of it in some ways. And this is one of those movies that also makes me sad in the sense that I feel like I'm always eager to defend voiceover. Because I'm like, I guess mm-hmm. a bad rap. You know, there's, I mean, Shawshank is, sure. you know, there's amazing movies that have voiceover, right? Um, yeah. And yet for some reason, it's always like this thing that's in the, you know, in the in the rule book today, should probably avoid voiceover. And yet this movie, I was like, mm, this one should have avoided voiceover. I don't, it yeah. feels flat. It and help. what he's saying sometimes is like jokey in the sense that he's talking about how Jennifer Bills is always happy to, you know, he knows... She's happy to see him because her the way her face brightens up, and then you see the reality, and like her face is not that at all. Like that that kind of stuff is okay. Right. And there's other times it sure. just like, and that was Joe, and we were gonna make our movie. It's almost like, right. Wonder Years or something. Like what is going on here? That doesn't it just doesn't feel right for this sort of like indie Jarmuschian thing here to me.
1: Yeah, and and I would say with that same example of. Again, yeah, a very good sort of mild joke at the beginning about, yeah, her face would brighten up and it doesn't. I feel like that is the only joke I remember that came from the VO. Yeah, you're right. So even even establishing that as sort of a tone and the way the VO is going to work, the VO doesn't do that. And then there's there's sort of a wrap-up VO at the end where he's talking about Joe. And I remember just thinking, man, are you really that wistful for this guy? Like,
0: Yeah, I mean, you had a gun on him not too was, long ago, right?
1: Right, right. Like, I, I kind of felt at the end, like, I couldn't tell. There's a moment where it seems like clearly Joe has, this whole thing has been a ruse, and Joe is taken off with the money that he got or something yeah. like that, which was money that Buscemi didn't even earn. No. So it's not like he got it stolen from him, but, but maybe that he had used, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Adolfo, that he had used Adolfo to get the money, and now Joe's taken off. And like when that happened, I was like, "Okay, that all makes sense." But does he it, did not believe this kid was going to make a movie.
0: But does it that he would get this guy to be his right hand man in crime, like to help? I, I don't know. I don't know if I understood completely what the ruse was.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, granted, that part is is still okay. muddy. I don't know. Like when he has Skippy, Will yeah, Patton. Like why do
0: you need Adolfo to to like pull off petty crimes?
1: Right. A, a kid who is no good with crimes no, does it, and has no interest yeah. in them. Yeah, I, I don't know. But all I can say is when he, when it seemed like he was just going to leave, that made sense. And everything after that that happened made less and less sense mm-hmm. to me. Um, so that, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a problem. I don't know what it was about Adolfo's character that I was supposed to be watching change throughout this movie or that was being revealed to me. I didn't feel like there was something hmm. going on there.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting interesting question that I'm struggling to answer is well well, I mean I guess he's closer to his neighbors. Um anyway, let uh, let me give yeah. the setup just for the folks at home listening here. Now sure. you sort of know that Craig and I are maybe a little, a little prickly on this one, a little prickly. And uh mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. me trying to give a setup, well illuminates why 40 minutes into the thing yeah so essentially Bushimi is broke as a joke I think we open with him making some sort of breakfast concoction that looked disgusting and a weird mix of uh, uh, eggs and and ingredients and lands somewhere in the in the oatmeal zone perhaps by the end of it Mm -hmm. but he's talking to his mother on the phone and it's sort of apparent that he's just been fired from a job and needs a little bit of money and she's willing to cover his rent again he's like well just don't give me a christmas present this year but the script is coming along great and this is an opportunity for me to continue working on the script and blah 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 blah, blah. and so all that i'm like okay yeah that that works that's fine yeah you're a struggling new yorker you get the shot of like how tiny the apartment is and that's great and it feels real it looks real and um okay we're i'm i'm with you as like this is hard to get that first film made and um, that's all very familiar. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember the exact circumstance, but it has to do a little bit with landlords showing up. Landlords, I don't have their names right in front of me. I'll see if I can find them. But two guys who enjoy singing in harmony as they go through the the apartment building. There, what the hell was their name? Craig, the Fabardi? B- Bacardi's? Bacardi's? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which made me, it's not with a T, but I kept thinking that, of course, because, again, I'm a child. I I, I,
1: I assume that's why I was, yeah. yeah.
0: But, you know, they're putting screws on the tenants there to make sure they pay on time and kind of threaten Adolfo that, you know, it'll be difficult to make a movie if he doesn't have his eyes. So, got to come up with that cash. The only Mm. thing he can think of to do to make money is take out an ad advertising his Five hundred page screenplay for sale, or did did he say it was five hundred dollars in the in the ad? I mean, five hundred pages in the ad.
1: I thought it was for the highest bidder. Okay,
0: uh, yeah, I was trying to remember. I mean, he gets paid more than that, but sure. he only gets one response. It's from a guy named Joe, only named Joe, and that turns out to be Cassell, And he goes over, and meets him, and. To me, like this is where the movie did get kind of interesting. I thought, okay, are we getting into like boogie nights sort of territory here, where you just got these characters, right? He's just like oddballs. It's gonna be less, like this is a collection of oddballs that we're gonna be dealing with as they make a movie. Which it's the first half, but none of the second half because they never make a movie, as we've discussed. But You're right. You know, Cassell was in there in his boxers and he's just a firecrackers in the middle of the night. He yells to somebody in another room to come in and kiss this kid, Adolfo, who he, you know, just immediately takes a shine to for no apparent reason other than he put in this ad, I guess. And yeah. in walks uh, Pat Moya Topless. And she kisses Bushimi like fool on the mouth and then does a bump of Coke and starts making out with Cassell and so he's he sends Bushimi on his way but gives him a thousand dollars and asks him how much money he'll need to make this movie, right? And I think the number floated about was two hundred and fifty grand. And right. you know, Joe is sort of implying well this is not a problem, he'll be in touch. Was Patton yeah, he was introduced at this point, correct?
1: I think Yeah, Skippy,
0: played by Will Patton, who is sort of just a no-nonsense hemophiliac Hemophiliac. (laughs) kind of gangster. He's always like nursing a cut on his chin, which was kind of interesting. But he insists that he drive Buscemi home, and they end up in New Jersey, and they pick up some other passenger who switches driving with uh, Patton while they're moving, you know, from back seat to front seat, and Mm -hmm. then they end up ditching Buscemi at a bus stop in New Jersey and he has to get his way home. So that's sort of like the, I mean, that's kind of like the odd couple story, like the weird, you're in a weird world now, dude. This is what you've got yourself into. Are you gonna stick with it to make the movie or are you gonna bail at some point because it gets too weird? So there's that and then there's a whole story of Jennifer Bills who's the neighbor next door and she's I think Puerto Rican and appears to be having arguments all the time with a husband or someone in this apartment behind closed doors has very little visible interest in Adolfo, even though he tries striking up conversation with her. And that's kind of, yeah, I guess that's the B story, although it bleeds over into the A story. And, yeah. I mean, to me, it, I, you know, I guess because Jarmouche is in the film, but it, it definitely, I felt like the influence of, of his sort of vibe was was present in the way some of these scenes unfold, which, sure. like, by themselves, I, I do really like. Like, again, like, I think the strength of this movie was absolutely pegged in that L.A. Times review. It's just, like, it's just the performances. Like, you can tell, like, I think that's where they could spend time to do things mm-hmm. with the limited budget they had. They knew they weren't going to get these crazy shots. You know, it's, this is 1992 technology, not 2020, where, you know, maybe you can do some cool stuff with camera movements, even though you don't have, oops, much money. Um, right,
1: and you've got a great, you've got cast.
0: a great cast. I mean, across the board, yeah. Jaromir and Carol Kane are, are pretty funny and, and interesting as these like mm-hmm. producers of a TV show called The Naked Truth, where people just get naked and answer questions, um, which mm-hmm. ends up being a callback later on. Stanley Tucci plays um, a French guy named Gregoire, mm-hmm. who I'd, I'm still unsure about that. Like, he claimed he was married to Jennifer Beals, and then she claimed right. that. Uh, at first, they weren't married, and then later on, that they were married, and that she married him to get a green card without realizing because her English was terrible at the time that he wasn't even American. He was French. It's kind of funny in and of right. itself. Right. Um,
1: but that she was going to owe him money. Like he wanted yeah, money to marry her. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, well, what was interesting was, yeah, Gregoire showed up Gregoire. once. But then that plot kind of kept going with him off screen mm. and you never see no, him again yeah. until Joe like calls him up one day and basically says, you know, the debt's paid, you know, like stay away from her.
0: But Stanley Tucci being and Stanley I guess Tucci, I thought he was, you know, perfectly fun to watch in that whole thing. <laughs> oh, I love Stanley Tucci. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he gets to be weird and then break down and cry like full on and the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but so it's like just all these interaction of oddballs and like all the way like, Seymour Cassell is just popping in and out, and like he's just again, just like a total live wire. Every time he comes in, it's with energy and like a plan, and they're going off and and soon it's it's involving theft of a Porsche and there's drugs involved <laughs> at a certain point. and Bishimi is it's I was gonna say kind of held hostage, Craig. And yet I don't think that is the right terminology because he does kind of have a friendship and kinship with this guy. Maybe in spite of his instincts or whatever his sort of moral compass is telling him. But I don't know. Those are the ingredients, and it makes a weird stew. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a couple moments that I think are really intriguing and interesting and funny. And I think the one for me that had anything to do with filmmaking that I actually liked quite a bit was... You know, after that first night where Joe is paying for this script that he hasn't even really read. Um, I don't even remember if he was pretending to have read at that point. But, mm-hmm. yeah, they have some conversations over the phone. And then Joe shows up at the apartment. And time to sit down, tell me about the script, read it to me. And so Bashemi starts read, <laughs> reading it. And, you know, you start cutting to Cassell. And his eyes are just, like, glazing over and rolling back. And, like, he really did, like... Yeah. Just nail that sort of, like, oh, God, like, what am I getting into? I'm not going to be able to stay awake. Yeah. Any...
1: <laughs> no, it's, it's yeah, miserable. It, it's, it's, it's it's not miserable. a
0: good thing. It, it has something to do with Nietzsche and um, Dostoevsky, right. which there was a bit in the opening about that, um, and uh, a literal angel in the film. I mean, it's, cra- it's just, like, obviously, like, a spoof of, like, extremely pretentious sort of poetic cinema stuff. Yeah. But then Joe pulls a gun out and, like, hands it to Buscemi and is like, just do me a favor. If you're going to read another line, just shoot me now. <laughs> and <laughs> I like that because it just, I was at the point where I'm like, wait, are we supposed to believe this guy is just one of these zany, wealthy dudes who was like, let's make a movie. That sounds fun. And just right. genuinely Buscemi's character has, you know, found that lucky thing where it's going to bankroll his film but it's going to be a nightmare of like dealing with these people who know nothing about you know filmmaking right yeah. which could have been fun but then it's like that gets tricky when Bushimi himself sort of like seems to kind of at least in that screenplay suggest that he knows nothing either but i did i was like i needed that kind of reassurance of like is joe serious about this like he really wants to make this and he's like no, we can we just make something that I understand? You know, that was his, like, one request, yeah. I think. <laughs> Which I liked. Yeah. I, that part of the film storyline I liked. I, I The vast majority of the rest of it I could kind of, you know, take or leave, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I feel the same way. Uh, I think it was continuously confusing about Joe's feelings about this mm-hmm. movie and about Adolfo, to me, honestly, yeah. I, I don't uh, and then and and vice versa I, I I don't know what what it was about either one of those characters where Joe would actually really take a liking to Adolfo despite the fact that Adolfo's script is terrible and boring and his actual film work is almost unwatchable mm-hmm. that that you're going to keep saying you're going to 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 make this movie unless you are just conning him and again. At one point in the movie it feels like oh it was a con. Okay, well that makes sense. But then it kind of turns out to not be yeah. a con and that whole part of the movie, Sean, I did not follow anything that happened after that.
0: No, I'm kind of with you. Uh, yeah, I think it definitely it lost me a bit in the in the final 20 uh, for sure. Um Yeah. Because there's there's a nice moment, you know, I don't know. It's like it's 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 trying to have uh, very many slices of cake and eat it too, I, I feel like story-wise where, you know, with that Jennifer Beals storyline, you know, Cassell being this older guy who's so good at, at like this kind of thing and did it a little bit with Max Fisher in uh, in Rushmore even, like encouraging mm-hmm. Bushimi to be something more than he is, you know, with this right. girl next door. And they invite her out to go dancing on New Year's Eve, you know, and Joe sort of takes the initiative to do that, even though Bushimi is being, you know, wishy-washy on the whole thing. And so, you know, they have their little thing where they're practicing dancing together and and that kind of thing and listening to this record. And then they go out, and I really liked, I think my favorite shot in the whole film was Steve Bashimi and Jennifer Bills, you know, standing up with their heads out of the limousine sunroof going across the bridge or whatever and you know it's just a nice little moment I don't even think I think the music was or the score was over they're talking but we don't hear any of the dialogue and um, just a nice shot like I was like okay if this is where this movie's going like it could have been a nice little romantic comedy even though maybe we, I don't know if we would believe Jennifer Beals would fall for Buscemi maybe I don't know I mean he was at least very nice to her you know helped out with the rent and things like that Um, maybe you know I've seen stranger relationships um be suggested to sure. me in film, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So I just felt like it was going there. And then, yeah, I'm with you. Like, it took some turns. And I just, I don't know. Like, it makes so much sense to me that Cassell would be like, no, of course I wasn't going to make a freaking movie with you from the start. Are you kidding me? Right. But then why would, why does he need Mushimi? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. Like, why... Would you get this guy, you would answer that ad in the newspaper to start any sort of elaborate con, unless you're taking something from that person, unless he's the mark somehow.
1: Exactly. Uh, I mean, I sort of assumed it was something where it was like, let's have this kid do some things to keep our faces out of it. You know, so the kid will be doing this stuff, and if he gets caught, no problem. You know, we don't, we don't. And own, that happens once, or something with the like that, deal, right?
0: With with the keep right from Twin when, Peaks. when he goes to get like the the ape's yeah. head or whatever.
1: Yeah, but then like the next time, Cassell takes him, and they break into a house where Buscemi ends up talking to this guy who's kind of seems like he's maybe in like an Alzheimer's yeah. type of place. And I mean, kind of a nice <sighs> moment like just moment, yeah. by itself. Mm-hmm. you know I mean honestly kind of nice but but I, I don't it didn't feel like it was adding anything to the story for no. me um, and so yeah so let's let's talk uh, well I want to talk about one thing before we get to the before we talk about the last 20 minutes which I do really want to try and look at closely <laughs> and just see if okay. see if sense can be made because I mean let's face it there, there's, there's a better than 50% chance that I just missed some crucial and I'm right <laughs>
0: there with you compadre yeah yes
1: but, okay, so one of the parts that both really bothered me and that I also really kind of liked and was hoping to get a little more from was it's one of these nights where Adolfo hears, I believe, like kids screaming next yep. door. and
0: Loud yelling, too, he's, right?
1: Yeah, and so he's really worried about what's going on in there. So he ends up going over and busting in and finding that it's these two absolutely adorable kids <laughs> yeah. who are having the time of their lives like having a yes, pillow fight feathers everywhere. with uh with Sam mm-hmm. Rockwell who plays Polly who is seems cognitively mm-hmm. impaired in some way that's not really you know ever discussed
0: classic movie trope of wearing a football helmet too by the way
1: absolutely yeah. keeping that Fontenelle mm-hmm. uh safe i you know yeah i don't know but so he breaks into her apartment and when she comes, she comes into the room finding him in the room, right? And feathers are just flying everywhere from these feather pillows. And she's like laying into these kids because she is clearly at her wits end. She's clearly taking care of her two kids. And I believe Polly's her brother. And uh, I, I think her dad lives oh, with them. Several and it's people just like there, she yeah. is, yeah, she is managing all of this. And yeah, hey, th- that is absolutely, I, I buy that whole thing and that she is just, at the end of it. But in this same scene, I don't know. It 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 felt to me like what was going to happen was here's where we're gonna see the clash of reality like really colliding with Adolfo's like dream world where he's yeah. a filmmaker and making movies and movies are the answer to everything. Like I really thought that's what it was going to be. She was going to be like, look, man, like that's great. You want to make movies, good for you. I am dealing with a lot of real life mm-hmm. stuff. And But instead, and correct me if I'm totally wrong about this, but it feels like by the end of that scene, he's again mentioned that he's going to put her in the movie because she's so much like an angel and she mentions, oh, Polly's taking a liking to you. And like, you know, she's starting to soften up. And then like the next scene, I think, is her and Polly on the rooftop and Adolfo's like filming them dancing in the snow or something. And I'm just like, I don't understand. (laughs) I don't understand what happened here. Uh, I don't know why. I feel like, again, her character as well. Like, there's not enough about her character to tell me why this would be making her so happy and feel so free right yeah. now. Like, I feel like being the father of two children in a pretty low stress household, I don't know if I'm on the top of a building dancing in the snow just because somebody told me they want to put me in their movie. And maybe I am. You never know. I don't you know. Were. Thinking about it now, yeah, it's pretty yeah. silly. Maybe the whole thing works. No, but so so that character, that little evolution in in that sequence, just really lost me, and 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 to the point where I was kind of wondering: Are we in a dream world of Adolfo's <laughs> at this point? Like, is this really stuff that's happening, or is it just something that he wishes would happen? Because he broke into her apartment. I don't know if I would look on that favorably, no matter how many movies you were going to put me in.
0: Yeah. Even I if mean, I, I can kind of, you know what I mean? Like the, it's a little, it's a little yeah. weird. The breaking in. I kind of,
1: I'd at it. least be weird. At, even if I wasn't mad at you, I'd be at least a little weirded out enough. Or, and maybe even embarrassed that like you thought people were being murdered in my apartment. It's just like my normal yeah. life. And I'd just be like, oh, please, please go. Like, this is really, <laughs> I'm so sorry we woke you up. Like, please mm-hmm. don't stay right now. Anyway. So that, 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 that part bugged me.
0: Um, You know, I don't know because you're saying that and then there is that moment towards the end, I think, where Buscemi tells uh, Cassell, you know, let's just, you're right, let's just make a movie that's about us, you know, just you and me and Angelica and, you know, Skippy and all these people, um, dang, and put those in there. Maybe it is. Maybe this is the movie they made, the whole thing. Maybe it is. Super meta. Absolutely. I yeah, I kind of don't. Yeah,
1: think I so. mean, th- th- yes, there, there's a there's an argument to be made that you've just watched the movie he's talking about at the end, and so the parts where he mentioned I want to put you in my movie, and she was like, "F you, guy, <laughs> you're a, you're a weird yeah. creep." He just sort of smoothed over, you know, and uh, and made it so that she she liked him by the end. Boof, but I don't know. So mm. if, if if you have nothing else to talk about. In terms of that other stuff i'd love to get to the last 20 minutes
0: uh i don't really i mean i I have some little things that i liked but we'll save those for the um just to wrap up but uh yeah go right ahead what i mean i've got questions too but
1: right so as i remember uh there's a moment where i want to say adolfo wakes up in his apartment and joe is gone the empty ape's costume mask is there, which basically means whatever money Joe had is gone with mm-hmm. Joe. And Adolfo feels like he's been had. And and he says something about, like, he's not going to take this anymore. So then he goes, does he go to Joe's apartment to find him? And that's where he finds Skippy yeah. face down in a carpet, just blood all around his head and bloody footprints walking away from it
0: right and right i wasn't sure were they was there some implication about the little person from twin peaks whose name i'm blanking on
1: oh well in the movie i believe he's called little, little man. man okay uh and, and and possibly so i guess that would make sense
0: I, and like uh i specifically thought the the footprints the bloody footprints looked small but <laughs> i've just been reading into that fair enough um fair enough yeah i i didn't I think that is Joe's apartment, but I am not sure. And I even, I wasn't sure even that I was looking at Will Patton for a minute. Like it took me a second to even get my bearings on who that was, to be quite honest. Right. But do we think. Right. And I guess. Like, is that just a drug deal gone bad kind of stuff or like money owed to people here and there that resulted in the death or was there something more from it?
1: I don't think there was anything. That was set up in the okay. story that really said it, you know, and, 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 honestly, I didn't necessarily have a problem with right. that. Like I, I just felt like, yeah, exactly. Like they're in, they, they do a bunch of shady stuff and this is just shady stuff coming right. back on them.
0: Yeah. I don't necessarily um, need to know unless it's somehow, I no. wasn't sure like what Joe's reaction to that was because like when he mentions it later on, it's not like he's like consumed with a uh, grief that his brother has said. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I don't, that's true. That. Yeah.
1: Well, but 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 that's the thing. I mean, if if that had maybe more meaning, the rest of it might make a difference. But so then, yeah. So then Adolfo goes and grabs a kid who he thinks is Joe's kid. That was set yeah. up earlier.
0: He's got a soda bottle, uh,
1: and we think it's Joe's kid too. Yeah, and he's got a plastic as soda a bottle as a weapon. And so he grabs this kid, and he finds Joe and Angelica mm-hmm. together. And what are they doing, man? I, I can't remember. I how don't know. Them.
0: Yeah, I, I wasn't sure, but it, they're definitely at a at a sort of level of friendship that was alarming to him, right? I think that was right. the, the implication because previously, like that night of New Year's Eve, um, Joe eventually tried to make a move on her and like stuck his tongue down her throat, and sh- she right. did not care for that. No, she did not. Which was kind no. of gross. Also, she had thrown right. up earlier so th- that night, right? <laughs> you
1: can't you can't mm-hmm. forget that? Ugh. There's not enough uh, altoids in the world. <sighs> yeah. Uh, but so yeah, he sees them together. It's worrying. He already thinks Joe is trying to screw mm-hmm. him over, which I do too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so then he jumps in the back of this car with the kid, as I remember, or maybe he's waiting and they they get in the car. Regardless, they end up in a car all together, and. Uh, And I mean, what does he say? Well, you know what? The jig is up, Joe, both of you, what's going on? Now, whatever Joe's explanation was there, either I have completely erased it from my memory banks selectively, or I don't know, I don't recall at all what Joe said was going on, except that I know he was trying to make it seem like it was an innocent thing.
0: I, like I said, am with you and that I did not follow that either. Um, yeah. I okay. was, you know, was it right around here that the gun was out or no? Because <sighs> That's a I good was confused question. by that too. Um, there were some threats being made, but, uh, some shots being shot. No, I, I, I don't oh. know.
1: Well, well, yeah, they're not at the beach okay, yet. Not at the
0: beach. Okay.
1: At, at least not in my head.
0: So this is all in the car. And now that I'm kid? thinking about it,
1: this oh, is, okay. yeah, they're all still in the car. And because I think that the button on that scene is that Joe tells him, that's not yeah. really my kid. Which was pretty yeah, funny. Totally, yes. Yeah. If I wasn't lost mm. in the plot, <laughs> like I think I would have laughed at that, because that was that was pretty good. He did just grab he just kidnapped the kid. <laughs> That's yeah, pretty that good. Um, but uh but now that I'm thinking about it, uh again, not remembering what Joe says, could this be something where Joe has seen Angelica Angelica, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Angelica as a new Mark just like Adolfo used to be. So now it's like, okay, I'm going to take Angelica out and she's going to go and do stuff and get me money. And because, because she's a woman and there's a different dynamic here and whatever. And so maybe that's something that he's doing. I can't, I don't remember. She doesn't seem, she doesn't seem to feel guilty or anything about it. She doesn't even seem to, to be with Joe in any way that seems like really heavily connected So, in a way, at the time, it felt to me like, yeah, she's just, she's about as close to Joe as Adolfo is. And she knows about as much about what Joe's doing as Adolfo does. Yeah. But I still didn't understand exactly what Uh,
0: was happening. I don't know. I thought that there was, it it was implying that, like, they had somehow known each other longer or or were somehow. Really? Because because of just how they were left, like, that night out where he stuck his tongue down her throat and she split because. Like, I, I was just trying to think, well, like, what would he have said to her to get her to, like, feel okay with going anywhere with him after that point, you know?
1: Well, honestly, I would assume, uh, you know, do you need I mean, money? it could
0: be that, I guess. And maybe that's sort of, like, why we're reading what's on her face is that she's just, like, not necessarily proud of herself, but right. doing what she can to survive.
1: Right. But it is a weird, at, at the at the time watching it, it did feel like, kind of like that, like, i'm wondering wait is she in yes. cahoots with him I mean, somehow that's... like they already set all this up and 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 by the end of the scene i still wasn't really sure and then they end up then they end up at the beach and you know yeah adolfo was really letting him have it and yelling at him mm-hmm. and stuff and uh right and then and then joe pulls out a gun
0: yeah it's his gun um or does I'll she but it, it ends up in her hands
1: right I mean, she took it
0: from him and she's yeah. Yeah. It was that whole sequence was confusing to me and it appears as if Joe gets shot when he sort of makes a move to take the gun from her and then right. he just laughs like he's kidding, you know, which is a total Joe move. I bought it. Caselso. Sure. It. Yeah, and then he has a conversation with Bushimi and you just see his face change and suddenly realize that he is not doing well. And uh yeah, Bushimi finds that he's actually bleeding and now dead, which yeah. did, it was a solid, like that performance I thought was, was pretty damn good from Cassell there. Like sure. he sold that for me. But I, yeah, I yeah. gotta be honest with you. Like I was definitely confused through there. I I I, I felt like Angelica and Joe were in Cahoots somehow, even though it doesn't make any sense. And like, it doesn't, not really like, in that moment. But then when the, the whole gun thing plays out, that doesn't add up. So yeah, I, I think that's a misreading on my part and maybe the idea that, yeah, he's offered her money and she's just not happy with herself and not wanting to be involved with this guy, but doing what she has to makes a ton of more sense. Yeah. But,
1: But yeah, at the end of the day, I think what, what really throws me for most of that ending is that I don't understand the relationships yeah. and I don't really understand why people are making the decisions that they're making. I, I really, I don't even understand, as, as angry as Adolfo is... I don't understand why he ends up on the beach with Joe talking about maybe we should just make a simple movie like I mm-hmm. kind of feel like if I was Adolfo at that point and Angelica, you know, I thought anyway had gotten in the car and driven off. She was gone. Yeah. Uh, which turns out to not be true and I, I didn't right, really she's follow. But she hanging out back there. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah, if I was Ad- if I'm Adolfo, I'm 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 walking. I'm just totally done with this guy, yeah, and like because there's a couple
0: moments in the movie prior to that where it feels like he's at that point, but then Joe just mm-hmm. shows up at in his house, like he keeps getting in Joe's apartment, which I thought was kind of funny, like right. I mean, I'm sorry he keeps yeah, pretty getting funny. in Adolfo's yeah, that's pretty good. apartment um Joe does, and so uh, yeah, I don't know, like that stuff worked to me, but then in the end, yeah, I just mm-hmm. wasn't sure why he was going back to him or vice versa for that matter. Um, I just didn't know what they needed from one another, what, what the big game was being played. And, um,
1: no, me neither. And I I think that is, that is probably the big missing puzzle piece mm -hmm. from this whole thing.
0: And I want to say like, again, like to me, that feels like a shame because there is sort of like so much good going on, I think in the, just the, the acting and sort of the interactions of this thing that if it had that kind of a little better plotting. It almost, like, for whatever reason, I'm thinking of Wonder Boys right now, the um, Curtis Hansen film. Sure. And just kind of the way some of those characters are thrown together unexpectedly, but they make it work. And, um, you know, something like After Hours even. Um, there's no shortage yeah. of, of movies like this. But I, I don't know. Maybe there was, like, just too much trying to force this plot in here that didn't. it either didn't need it at all, or it needed quite a bit more of it to sort of just make it make sense, I guess. Craig, this right. won Grand Jury Prize at Sundance the same year that Reservoir Dogs was there.
1: Which is also yeah. very interesting because, yeah, again, like I would say, Reservoir Dogs has does an incredible job. And I think Tarantino is very good at this. Tarantino really does build mm-hmm. relationships. I think he builds them really well. I think that's a big part of why his movies tend to work well for me and at the same time I completely understand this movie winning Grand Jury in 1992 yeah. like it just fe- it really does, it does feel like exactly the movie I would have loved if I watched it in 1992.
0: I know, I was thinking the same thing, it's like if you were sitting in that theater with him and like people were just like you have no clue what you're really getting right, you don't know anything about it, you don't really yeah. know who Bashimi is probably very much and it's right. just like this movie just keeps taking these sort of like curveball turns and like there is sort of like an energy built off of that, especially in a group setting, and all it takes is like sure. two good laughers in the audience, and suddenly yeah. like it becomes infectious. And I can kind yeah. of see that happening. And certainly, like I went and saw—I remember seeing um, *Husbands*, the Cassavetes film—in LA at the Sina Family in a screening, and that, yeah, God, like I don't think I would laugh much at all if I watched that movie by myself. It's fine. It's good. I mean, like you know, there's some really funny stuff in it. But there was a lady just like howling like at this thing, (laughs) which is not a broad comedy by any means. Um, But you do you like end up like sort of like chuckling along with it more. So I can see it, and yet it is kind of fascinating to look back with a little bit of distance from this. And I was looking on Letterboxd, and like the reviews are completely positive for the most part. It seems for this film. So other people are digging it and maybe just not Good. needing that sort of plot handholding that you and I were, were needing with, with this go around yeah. Very um, possible, but I do want to highlight, like there's a few things and like, that's the thing is, like every time, like we're talking about these things, like every moment that doesn't make sense, like even within that moment, sometimes there's great stuff like that thing where they broke into the house and he, mm-hmm. I don't know what Cassell was, was stealing. I'm still not convinced like sure of that i know he was looking behind a yeah. piece of artwork in a room where two people were sleeping in a bed directly yeah, over <laughs> <I'm> like, god. <laughs> yeah. i would just be shitting myself it was a shimmy and tag along <laughs> but then yeah he's sitting downstairs yeah. waiting for cassell and in walks this older man and just starts talking to him and it's clear that yeah you're right like there's some sort of dementia going on there but the guy <laughs> Like that guy and I don't have the actor in front of me, but he's so good. It's just like this very sort of like calm conversation, matter of fact, about how you know he really wishes he just had one more chance to have like sloppy sex with his wife who's gone right. and like I don't I can't remember if she died or just left or what and like again all of it is probably suspect to the truth just given his mental state. But I really enjoyed that. Like that to me was like something like good time even goes into some of those places, but done on a sort of a, like a thriller level almost. And in yeah. here, it, it just felt right. Like these, all these actors feel absolutely like total New York kind of part of this world, even those landlords, right? Like that could only happen in here. And mm-hmm. I dug that, I dug Cassell showing back up one night when Bushimi's like had enough of all that of and just like distanced himself from this guy and here comes Cassell walking in with Debbie Mazur and, um, dang it, the other woman. Yes, Morocco. thank you, for God's sake. Yeah, uh, you bottom. know what it is? is yeah. like Every time I was looking at her, I was thinking, like, she looks like Rosanna Arquette. And like then she'd turn to the side. And I'm like, yes. she looks like Marissa Tomei. And so it was like combining these. In my head. <laughs> um, but, you know, that scene, which it seems like it's just going to be nothing, really. It's, um, it's Debbie Mazur and Cassell going off into one room to do their thing and then, you've got Buscemi just probably gonna like completely frustrate Braco and not have anything to do with her. And it starts that way and then it kind of, you know, it evolves into them sort of ending up laughing at the fact that Buscemi's appearance on The Naked Truth pops up on TV while they're sitting there. And it's just like, I just, like that stuff, I could watch like all day. Like again, if this was just like Cassell and Buscemi living together, and they just have this like weird, like he's his uncle or something like that and they live under one roof and at times it's really trying on Bashimi because he wants to do something other than make a movie or even if he even if it was that but like he hadn't he wasn't even close to being able to do it like I just feel like that would have been so much simpler so much clearer you don't have any of this like question of like why is Cassell doing any of this wait what you know right and just yeah. let those scenes play, and you got neighbors, and it's just this little slice-of-life world character thing. Like I would have been so much more on board, I think, with that version of this movie because of how good um, those little moments are and these actors are, I think. Just me. Yeah. Sorry, Alexandry.
1: Alexander. Yeah, I, sorry. I feel like a
0: jerk. Um, I do think it's interesting, though, Craig. And because we read, there was a quote from Alexander Rockwell about, like, his distaste for some of the people in the film world, right? Mm-hmm. Watching that scene where Cassell, who is the producer of Buscemi's hypothetical movie, make a move on and Angelica, who is the actress of this hypothetical movie, it definitely sent off my Weinstein alarm, you know? And I was like, yeah. oh, that's okay. Um I don't know yeah. that there's any sort of bleed over from that world or any stories that maybe like inspired that moment because Cassell obviously is not a producer in the sense that he's a Hollywood producer. But watching right. it, I was just like, oh, God, this feels appropriately gross and also could be another movie of its own in 2020, sadly.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, yeah, just I- in general, casting the, the producer of the movie as a thief and a criminal oh, yeah. and, yeah, womanizer, uh yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Pretty on point.
1: He he, he definitely uh, has strong feelings uh, yeah. <laughs> about that. And then the last sure.
0: little tidbit that I wanted to just specifically mention was Stanley Tucci again, <laughs> who plays uh, yes. Grégoire, the Frenchman. So he comes to Adolfo after this argument, and, you know, Adolfo is constantly looking through the peephole in this movie. And he sees Tucci out there and he knocks on the door and he asks if he can come in go through to the fire escape and get into his apartment that way because you know, he's having a little disagreement. He needs to get in and got locked out, whatever. He goes and he tries with the windows locked, so he comes back in to Adolfo's apartment and suddenly just kind of breaks down. And in one moment, he says, my wife, in such a way that felt so Borat to me, Craig. Like, And I know like you, last I knew, had not even seen that movie, right? No.
1: <laughs> but it was my wife. That's true.
0: And like I (laughs) immediately laughed just thinking about that. And then she says, She eats me. Which um I Yes That
1: was great. That also had me laugh.
0: She beats him, but uh
1: Yeah. She hits me. me. Um
0: Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty good. Tucci, classic Tooch there.
1: Classic Tooch. (laughs) The Tooch Monster.
0: Any little details, tidbits, little moments that you specifically liked since we spent enough complaining about the plot?
1: Yeah uh the one i kept thinking about was the bit where angelica comes knocking on his door one night and he grabs a bottle of old yeah. spice and slaps it on his mm-hmm. neck i think and then takes a nice drink of it and swishes it around and sure. spits it out it's like that's that's well great. and
0: there was also the moment i really liked, just a line where yeah he's got something on and joe is like what are you wearing he's like it's clove oil he's like clove oil what are you a salad <laughs> Uh, yeah. Again, coming out of my <laughs> yeah. mouth, not funny. Cassell nailed it. You know, it was just like perfect. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah really. Um, interesting film for sure. Interesting world, yeah. and maybe to non-film students <laughs> who are jaded, right, beyond measure. No, um, right. Maybe this is an entirely different experience. So take that with a grain of salt. If you've made it all the way through this experience of us talking about it, and go check it out yourself. Right? It doesn't mean that yeah. we're correct about I these so. things.
1: I mean, there's still a lot to oh, recommend yeah. watching it. So it's, it's, it's definitely worth a, a yep. watch. Yep, it's on
0: Amazon Prime. Again, in the soup, Alexander Rockwell, Craig, we did it. Now I want soup and grilled cheese. We, but you, yeah. sir, get the last words.
1: Uh, don't let anyone, Sean, don't let anyone ever eat you. we Will do. Talk to you next time.